How we doing today, folks? My name is Parker, and I'm a massive Red Sox fan who can't get enough of talking about the Sox. So what I'm doing here is I'm going to go ahead and I am going to start a podcast. I don't even know what it's called, but I know that the only time that I typically have to myself during the given day is to record in my car. Uh, so I'm doing that. It's my lunch break. So let's talk some socks. All right. So this past weekend we had opening day. The Boston Red Sox took on the Baltimore Orioles on opening day. We had Corey Kluber starting for the Boston Red Sox. Kind of a, a decision that Alex Cora, he, he says he made back in January. He decided that Corey Kluber was the guy that we were going to go ahead and use as the opening day setter starter as opposed to Chris Sale, which was an interesting decision. A lot of Red Sox fans probably expected the Red Sox to move in a more traditional route and to have Chris Sale be the guy that was going to be getting the ball on opening day. Now, it's not necessarily game-breaking. It's not really anything that you know we have to truly worry about too much. I think Corey Kluber is going to be a guy that is going to be a very, very serviceable front end of the rotation guy. I don't think he's the ace on a lot of teams, but with the way that the Red Sox rotation shook out this year, not necessarily ideal, but it it is a serviceable number one that we can go in and throw out there in the first game of a big series against, you know, teams like the the Yankees and, and other teams that the Red Sox are going to find themselves up against a lot of times this year. Uh, for the opening day game we didn't exactly have a great time Adley Rushman kind of started off the game by uh by starting what is a pretty historic beginning to his 2023 season he reached base and I think it was like his first seven at bats between a home run a few singles a bunch of hits uh and a couple walks as well between games one and two, it took a long time to get this guy out. Uh, it seems like every time he was coming up to the plate, the Red Sox were kind of in trouble. He was absolutely on fire. It's really cool to see a prospect of his caliber actually starting to pan out for the team that he's playing for. Rushman was the number one overall pick in the 2020 or 2021 draft. He wasn't the number one overall pick by the Orioles. And it, while it is a division rival and it does kind of suck as a baseball fan, it is really cool to see somebody like Rushman like come into his own and really start being productive at the major league level for a team as in need of production as the Baltimore Orioles. Because this is a team that has been through the ringer. Uh, if you're listening to this, you probably know just as well as I do how much struggle the Orioles have had in recent years trying to just get production from all the different places they possibly can try to make themselves competitive and it really has not worked out basically since like Chris Davis was hitting 50 home runs a year and Manny Machado was at third base for him uh, ever since Machado went to the Dodgers it's kind of been downhill and Buck Showalter left and it's been it's been struggle city in Baltimore so to see someone like Rutschman come up and actually have a lot of big league potential and start producing at the big league level is really cool They've also got Gunnar Henderson playing shortstop for him. Guy who's got absolutely gorgeous blonde lettuce, and uh, he he hasn't done too much to start the season, but he's definitely one of those guys to keep an eye on. He's a lot of people's pick for rookie of the year. That Orioles system, if they're doing anything like they did with Rutschman, they are they are working very hard and very well to ensure production out of uh, Gunnar Henderson. So it's going to be exciting to see what happens to him, but just not against the Red Sox, right? So in game one, the uh, Orioles jump out to a uh, 7-1 to lead and wasn't looking too good. Corey Kluber's getting shelled. 
They're getting some home runs off of him. Hits are starting to stack up. And then the Red Sox really came alive. And the Red Sox were able to actually get some offense going. And it was really good to see because over the course of last year, it felt like we were so often in a position where either the Red Sox just were out of the game completely or they were in the game, in the game late, and it ended up coming back to bite them. We could basically count on the bullpen blowing games last year, and it was really tough to deal with as a Red Sox fan. Uh, the, the bullpen was it was made of Swiss cheese. There were so many holes in the bullpen last year. It was closer by committee. We had Tanner Hout going in and out. We had Garrett Whitlock going in and out. Sal Amora was an absolute liability. Ryan Brazier had a terrible season. Matt Barnes basically didn't start the season with the Red Sox because of his huge breakdown at the end of 2021, which is really sad to see because I think that if we have Matt Barnes at the end of 2021, that season looks a little bit different. Maybe we make it farther in the ALCS or even make it to the World Series, make, you know, contend for a title. And in this past offseason, Heim Bloom and the rest of the Red Sox front office were able to add some pieces to really fortify that bullpen spot in a way that so far has has like really really panned out so they were able to add chris martin they were they were able to add kenley jansen which is like one of the biggest signings that the red sox had in this past offseason and with those signings the red sox are able to boast what stands to be a pretty formidable bullpen you know we've already got the familiar names in there whether or not whitlock works his way in there by the end of the year i'm not sure but I'm also excited to see him become a starter. We've got guys like Josh Winkowski in there, and and Winkowski was he was he was decent in a couple of big league starts last season. But I think that his major league career is probably going to be closer to a middle relief guy or a long relief guy. And he's done decent in his couple outings that he's already had this season. He or I want to say it's just one time that he made it on the field this season. But it's still he's got the potential to be a solid middle relief, long relief kind of guy that really provides a lot of value out of that Red Sox bullpen. Now, as far as other names we've got in the bullpen, uh, I, I, I'm really excited to see how Kenley Jansen does. He's already got a save under his belt. He looked phenomenal against the Orioles there in that, uh, in that second game where the Red Sox were actually losing that game, 7-8, to eight, and Kenley Jansen comes in, keeps it close, absolutely dealing he went from one of the slowest working pitchers in all of major league baseball in 2022 to being one of the fastest workers in major league baseball since the pitch clock rule was implemented in spring training so i don't know what that did to him mentally or even physically but the man's throwing 95 mile an hour cutters now where before they were at like 92, 93. So that velocity uptick is a huge boon for the Red Sox as a whole. And to see that was really surprising. When I saw him in game two, I was not I was not expecting the velocity uptick that we ended up getting. The way that he was able to come out there and dominate that Orioles lineup, it was it was no joke. He, he's the real deal. We know this guy has seen his fair share of big games. All those years with the Dodgers, the man's pitched in World Series. He's pitched against the Red Sox in the World Series. And he's been very, very solid since he became the closer for the Los Angeles Dodgers all those years ago. He spent last year in Atlanta. The guy knows how to pitch for good teams, and he knows how to pitch for good teams in big moments. So I think that 
Kenley Jansen, this isn't a hot take, but it's probably the best acquisition that the Red Sox had this offseason. It's somebody I'm really excited to see how he does moving forward because he brings something to that bullpen, a reliability and a dependability that we really have not had since Matt Barnes was the everyday closer back in 2021 when he was an all-star, racked up all those saves in the first uh, half of the year, but then and eventually ended up melting down in the second half of the season. It's something we've really been looking for, looking for. Last year, it was an absolute train wreck. It was basically whoever's available is going to be out there for the ninth, and it didn't work out very often. We were, we were getting Sauer Moore throwing balls over third base's head and giving up walk-off ding-dongs to Kevin Kiermaier. It just, it's not... It's not a situ- situation that I was very happy with, and I'm so happy that the front office shared that sentiment. Clearly, they went out, they got their guy, they signed Kenley Jansen, and the relief pitcher situation is looking a lot better than it did last year. Super, super encouraging stuff coming from the Sox. Uh, one of the other big points I want to bring up is how good the Red Sox lineup was over the entire weekend. From opening day on Thursday, there was an off day Friday, and then Saturday and Sunday. All three games, the Red Sox scored nine runs. They were able to score 27 total runs in their first series. And it was super, super encouraging to see a team that was so downtrodden and the expectations were so low that last year... Everybody basically counted them out after May. After that big month they had in May, it was it was easy to just count out the count out the Red Sox, make sure that nothing could happen uh, as far as expectations, and nobody was looking at this team to win really anything. I mean, through the first nine games, I mean, obviously they scored nine runs per game in 125 plate appearances. They have 36 hits. 36 hits in that first three games. 12 hits per game? I'll, I'll take that. But on top of those those 12 hits per game, the Red Sox have gotten seven doubles and five home runs for a total of 25 RBI just in the first three games of this year. So I, I genuinely can't think of a better way to start your season. They've only struck out 24 times. 24 times, yeah, okay, that's eight strikeouts per game. That's not a small amount of strikeouts, but it's not terrible. I mean, the Red Sox were striking out, they struck out 1,300 times last season. They were striking out an incredible amount. For for reference, in 2018, the Red Sox struck out 1,253 times. That's a 120 strikeout decrease, or that's 120 strikeouts lower than they struck out in 2022. In 2021, they actually struck out more, which is crazy because you know, that, that playoff run to the ALCS, beating the, the Rays and the ALDS and taking two games off the Astros and the LCS, it, it all feels like a super successful year. But just remember, throughout the entirety of that season, the Red Sox were fighting for a wild card. They ended up making the wild card on the last day of the season. That was not the most optimal team or 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 in any way was it an optimal way for the Red Sox to go out onto the field to try to win a world championship. They ended up making a great run, but we saw what happened when that offense went cold against all that good pitching uh, against the Astros after they left Houston for the after the first two games. So just to keep talking about 2023, 
The Red Sox right now, they score 27 runs. They uh, they have a 327 batting average, a 395 on base percentage, and a 564 slug for a team 959 OPS, which, hey, small sample size, we're overreacting here, but a 959 OPS, that is something to hang your hat on. The team got a little older since last year. Their, their average age is just under 30, whereas last year it was just under 29. We have some veteran leadership on this team that knows how to play from behind in baseball games, which is so important because last year we just weren't making comebacks. The Red Sox just, if they were out of a game, they were out of a game. And if they were close in a game, they were out of a game because the bullpen couldn't keep them close. So to see the Red Sox address those issues so directly by signing a guy like Justin Turner, who knows how to win a World Series. He's been in so many deep playoff runs with the Los Angeles Dodgers. They signed a guy like Adam Duvall, the former Brave, who knows how to play center field, at at least a replacement level, like a above replacement level, and to swing a hot bat, the amount of production that this team has gotten out of Adam Duvall in these first three games is insane. He had that game in game two where we thought, like, he had a chance for the cycle. And I'm really glad he didn't get the cycle because if he had hit for the cycle, it would have been the most disappointing cycle ever because it would have just been runners on first and second, maybe first and third. And, you know, you can say about, you know, who is coming up next. But it was really cool to see the success that Adam Duvall has had because it's so hard for a guy to jump into a team like the Boston Red Sox and immediately start to contribute at the big league level. Just to to shed some light on what this guy is doing so far, through the first three games, he struck out three times. He has a 571 batting average, 600 on-base percentage, 1300 slugging percentage and an OPS of 1957. This guy's OPS is creeping up on 2000. His production has been astronomical and it can't be understated. Now, whenever we have such a clear cut contributor like Adam Duvall on the team, typically the the gut the gut reaction is to just be like, "Oh, it's just one guy. He's pulling the team on his back." Nobody else is contributing. It's just not the case right now. Everybody's contributing. Kike Hernandez hit two home runs over the weekend. He's looking like he's going to have a really good season. I really hope so because last year was so tough on him. Alex Verdugo, he's got a home run. He's been knocking in some base runners. He's been spraying hits all over the field. Rafael Devers just picked up where he left off. He absolutely deserved the contract he got in the offseason, and he has proved it every single game so far this season. He is looking incredible. The team is swinging the bats. Tristan Casas had a single yesterday uh, during game three that just was an absolute rocket. There was no way. We had a runner on second base, and there was no way Seiya Suzuki could have scored from second base. It was hit so hard into the right into right field that there was just no shot for Seiya Suzuki, who has decent speed to, to score from second base, which is saying something. It's saying something. He barreled that ball up. Tristan Casas has a good bat, and I really think and I hope that this is going to be a good, good playoff, or excuse me, a very good breakout season for Tristan Casas. I really hope Alex Verdugo gets back to the same form he was in in 2020. I know that's asking a lot because he was like, what, number three in MVP voting during the COVID year, but I think Alex Verdugo is set and primed to have a very, very good season, which is something that we really need out of him. He's been a leader in the clubhouse. He's a joy to be around. All the players love him. 
He's been consulted constantly on his hitting approach and the way that he carries himself to the plate, his mentality at the plate. And he's been setting the example for so long that the production and the numbers, they've been there before in 2020 during the COVID season. Now, I understand anything can happen during the COVID season. I get it. But he put up numbers in that COVID season that are just so impressive. I'm going to go ahead and pull them up so we can take a look at them. I know that people don't love Alex Verdugo. He's always going to wear that label if he was the return for the Mookie Betts trade. But just to shed some light on how well he how well he's done, the guy played in 53 games in that 60-game 2020 season. The Red Sox were terrible. And just to shed some light on what he did, the guy hit 308 with a 367 on base percentage and a 478 slug for an 844 OPS, a 123 OPS plus. For those of you who don't know, he was one a 123 OPS plus means that he was 23 OPS points better than league average. League average of OPS plus will always be 100. So as a 123, he was better than way better than league average, a league average hitter. Since he's been in the league, and since he started playing for the Red Sox especially, he has been better than a league average hitter. His OPS Plus since 2020 has been 123, 107, 102, and right now in 2023 he's carrying a 199. Granted, three games, small sample size. It is what it is. But he finished 12th in MVP voting in that 2020 season, and that's nothing to shake your head at. He has gotten MVP MVP votes. This guy plays a very serviceable left field. He's playing right field this season. We'll see how well that goes. I, I think that this guy is one of the big X factors that the Red Sox have to be aware of moving forward this season. Alex Verdugo is a guy that changes the game when he's hot. I went to go see the Red Sox a couple times last season. He hit a home run in like the third or fourth game of the season. I was there. I was at Fenway Park and he cranked a ball into the right field bleachers. Just absolutely crushed it. And it it changes the pace of the game and the way that the Red Sox play baseball. One of the guys in that clubhouse that you need to make sure is fired up is Alex Verdugo. He gives 1,000% every single day. And so for someone like him to be having such a good start to the season, super encouraging, super, super cool, and something that we really need to keep our eyes on because he's going to be one of those difference makers moving forward, especially with the departure of guys like J.D. Martinez and Xander Bogarts. Verdugo's one of the longer-tenured players on this Red Sox roster now. He's been here for a few years. He knows how this team plays ball. And on his four, in his fourth season with the team, I really think this is the year we see Alex Verdugo really break out, have a great year, and uh, it, it, it's going to be really nice to see. I, I genuinely think that it's going to be super nice to see. Uh, I'm trying to see right now how old is Verdugo because I want to see. Uh, I want to see what age. So he's born in 1996. He's 26 years old. Um, Age 26 season. He's entering his prime, right? He, technically, his prime could have started last year. I think that we're going to see a huge uptick in what this guy produces at the plate. We're, we already know he's got the plate discipline. We already know he doesn't strike out an awful lot. And uh, I'm really excited. I'm really excited to see what this guy does. Alex Verdugo, he's a big, big part of this team. And I think he's going to make himself even bigger moving forward. Uh, another guy that I want to shed some light on, uh, we've got Kike Hernandez. Like I said, he hit two home runs in this in this series. 
He is looking good. He's looking confident at the plate. He's playing in the cold weather. Not his favorite thing to do, I'm sure. Uh, but he has been producing, and it's been really nice to see. Kike is a huge piece of this team. Um, and when he's doing better, the team does better. And, you know, I, I just said that about about uh, Alex Verdugo, but Kike's a big part of this team. He's a leader. He's very mature. The guys look up to him. He only played in 93 games last season, uh, and in those 93 games, he only hit 222 with an OPS of 629. And we all remember that 2021 playoff run. He was just an absolute beast, just crushing balls over the fence. Like every, it seemed like every at bat, it felt like he was going to hit one over the fence. He's such a big part of this team and plays so many roles. Like, he's the everyday center fielder when everybody's healthy. He can play shortstop. He can play pretty much anywhere in the infield, but mostly those middle infield positions, which is so valuable. And the amount of work that it takes to be able to play those positions, that rubs off on the players around you when they see you in there grinding, taking ground balls, playing positions that you don't typically play but still leave yourself available to do so. He's a guy that brings so much to the table in terms of potential that when he is firing on all cylinders, you can truly see the difference, especially in the Red Sox offense. When he's doing well, the team does well. When he was doing well in 2021 playoffs, the Red Sox were putting up numbers. They were hitting grand slams. It was awesome. And when he's doing well this past few days, the Red Sox are putting up nine runs a game, which unfortunately, the Red Sox might need to put up nine runs a game more often than we think if we're going to get the kind of season that we're hoping to get out of this team. Uh, Kike has been such a big part, and he's going to have to be an even bigger part moving forward, especially with Trevor Story out. We're looking to him to carry more of the load than than maybe he's you know accustomed to carrying. Uh, but I think Kike is the guy to do it. Kike, he's such a team player. And I'm really excited to see where this goes. Uh, I do want to touch on the pitching a little bit, the starting pitching, because in this in this series, we got to see some ups and downs, honestly, from people that I don't know if we expected to see them from. Uh, we already talked about the fact that Corey Kluber really, really got shelled, and I don't know it. I don't. I don't think it's personally something to panic about. Corey Kluber, he's Corey Kluber. He's a known quantity. We've seen him perform for several different teams over several different years, and he has always been a huge contributor on those teams, uh, at, at least when he's healthy, right? These last couple seasons, we've seen him with the Yankees where he threw a new hitter again. No, he's a new hitter. He threw a no-hitter against Texas on his own bobblehead night because he had left the Texas Rangers and they never got to do his bobblehead night, which I find super awesome, super ironic. Uh, and then we saw him at the Yankees have another really solid season. Um or excuse me, we saw him with the Rays have a really solid season last year. The The only way that the Red Sox pay him is if they think he's reliable. We've seen the Red Sox be comfortable with taking these older, aging starting pitchers and putting them in a role where they do serve a big purpose in our rotation. Guys like Rich Hill last year. I mean, I think Corey Kluber is a way safer bet than Rich Hill was last year, but even Rich Hill was able to give us a couple decent games and... 
I'll just say, like, Rich Hill didn't embarrass himself last year. And, and if if Heim was able to find that kind of production out of a guy Rich Hill's age, I think that it's a good idea uh, to trust him as far as Corey Kluber goes. I know he had a tough outing in his first uh, first start as in a Red Sox uniform, but that's exactly what it was. It was his first start in a Red Sox uniform. He was starting on opening day. You never know where, where guys are going to be coming out of spring training, and it just wasn't it wasn't really it. And not to mention he ran into the hottest hitter on the planet, Adley Rushman at the time, and we didn't even know he was going to go and get on base five times out of five. So I don't think we're hitting the panic button with Kluber yet. I, don't, I think that you don't hit the panic button after one, one bad start for anybody, uh, and I think I, I'm still firmly planted in the Corey Kluber camp as far as whether I think he's going to be productive or not. Uh, we also had in game two, we had Chris Sale. He got knocked around as well. The velocity was there. And that's that's one thing that I really want to point out because that's the number one thing that dictates whether or not Chris Sale is going to be effective. If Chris Sale has his velocity, then he's able to use that high-velocity fastball, that sweeping, slow, absolute nail-biter, ankle breaker uh, uh, slider, and then also factor in that changeup. Now, we have to remember the last time that we saw Sale starting games back-to-back-to-back for the Red Sox was back in 2021. In 2021, he got hit around a little bit. He wasn't really his full Chris Sale self, and that was because he had lost his changeup and was trying to rework on how to re-implement it into his pitch mix. Now, he, as a two-pitch pitcher, as a two-pitch starting pitcher, Chris Sale did a phenomenal job in 2021. We got those good innings out of him in the playoffs. He, he put up a respectable season there, um, even if he did miss the first half of it due to Tommy John surgery. Now, going into uh, 2022, obviously he hurt himself on his bike at the beginning of the season, made his first two starts uh, in away games, uh, and then broke his finger on that comebacker. I believe it was off the bat of Glaber Torres. He, but that was the thing. So one thing I want to I want to articulate here. He had good outings against AL East rivals. So he had a really good five to six inning start against the Tampa Bay Rays where he gave up either none or a couple runs. um, And he looked really good in that start. And then he also had a decent start going against the Yankees before he broke his finger. He has reintegrated that changeup into his pitch mix. We just have not seen him healthy to use it. And I think that this year... I'm not saying we're going to see a return to form. I'm not saying we're going to see Cy Young numbers out of Chris Sale. But I do think that we can get 150 innings of a 3-7 ERA from Chris Sale and then also factor in that clubhouse leadership aspect that he has brought to this team since he joined in 2017. He was a big reason the Red Sox won the World Series in 2018. We know he recorded the last out of the 2018 World Series, but he was also the guy who gave that dugout speech, and he mother-effed everybody in the dugout for a couple minutes and got them fired up, got the bats moving, got everybody back on their feet, and really, really motivated that Red Sox team to do well. And I don't think that that impact coming, especially from a starting pitcher, can be understated can be overstated, excuse me. I really think that Chris Sale brings way more to this team than he does on the mound. And when he's rehabbing down in Florida, he's not providing it. So I think, honestly, potentially the biggest thing that we need to look for from Chris Sale is probably just to make sure that he's getting on the mound every fifth day. Even if it's for only like four or five innings, I think it's so, so important that we actually sit there and 
and understand that yeah, we might be getting like a 3-8 or even a 4 ERA from Chris Sale moving forward at this point in his career, but I think that we're paying him, yeah, we're paying him too much money, but we're not only paying him for his time that he spends on the mound, we're paying him for the ability to be the leader that we know he can be and that he has been in the past. And having him in the clubhouse doing that is better than not pitching and being down in Florida rehabbing uh, just another injury. So regardless of his ERA, I think Chris Hale brings a lot to the table. And I think it's going to be interesting moving forward to see how that actually plays out. This rotation has a bunch of young guys in, in really prime spots that are pivotal in their own careers as well as the Red Sox rotation. We got Brian Bayo, Garrett Whitlock. These guys are so important that they get off to a good start and have that mentorship coming from a guy like Chris Sale on the mentality of what it's like pitching in an AL East divisional uh, rival rival game or even in a pennant race or anything like that, making a playoff push. We need these guys, guys like Bayo, guys like Whitlock, uh, even guys like Winkowski or Cutter Crawford or any of those guys that could make starts for us moving forward I think it's so important that a guy like Chris Sale gets his two cents in and is actually able to mentor these young guys about the mentality of what it takes to be a successful Major League starting pitcher. So yeah, game two, Chris Sale got knocked around a little bit, but uh, the Red Sox, as we all know, were able to come back off the bat on the back of Adam Duvall. He was a single shy of the cycle, hit two home runs, a triple and a double. A second home run obviously being that game winner, that walk-off, and it was just so electric to watch. I was I was actually driving when this game was on, and uh, I had my phone playing the audio in between my legs, and, and my wife was sitting in the car next to me, my son was in the back, and my daughter was in the back sleeping, and when, when the pop fly from Yoshida got dropped, I was like, oh my god, and like, everybody was like, oh, okay, dad's listening to baseball, he always gets like this, um, but when Adam Duvall crushed that walk-off home run, I screamed like a seven-year-old schoolgirl. I screamed and I was like jumping around, having a good time, like bouncing around in my seat and my whole family. I woke up my kids. My wife was like, what the heck? What's going on? It was just so nice to finally see the Red Sox winning a close game in walk-off fashion, just something we didn't do all year last year. It was so hard to watch. But to be able to see it happen in the second game of the series, not just that, but coming from a guy that was a question mark coming in, we're asking a lot of him in, in this lineup, and he, see, he seems like he's ready to deliver. Adam Duvall seems like he's ready to be a guy for the Boston Red Sox. And it's so cool to see, especially when you get to listen to a walk-off for the first one of the season, second second game of the season. It was just so important. It was so cool. Such a good moment. Uh the, the fans in the sellout crowd were pumping themselves up. And uh, part of that was the, was the new lighting and stuff like that. I'm not going to lie. When I first heard about the, the LED lighting and all the like disco strobe effects that they were going to be playing uh, when, when the Red Sox hit a home run, uh, I was a little skeptical. Not going to lie. Even though it doesn't look that great on the broadcast, the environment in that stadium has got to be electric. It looks fun to be in and honestly at the end of the day the Red Sox are like the 12th team to adopt something like that uh during their game so like they're they're still the minority but it's 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 becoming way more popular nowadays to to get stuff like that incorporated and at the end of the day I don't want to see the game die so 
whatever you got to do to bring uh, bring people in, put butts in seats, and get young kids into the game. I think it's a good move. So mark me down as a uh, as somebody who's pretty excited about the 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 Fenway Park lights as a whole. Um, moving into the third game, uh, we had Tanner Houck on the mound, and like I said, I want to talk about the starting pitching here. Spring training. Uh, Tanner Houck looked looked rough. Uh, there's no other way to put it. He looked he looked not that great. Uh, he kept getting hit around, and going into the season, I was really nervous about the level of production that the Red Sox were expecting out of him this season. Uh, the, I mean, it was it was it was super cool to see what he was able to accomplish yesterday. Uh, the first few innings were just absolutely lights out. He was he was dealing. He had that slider with like you know the seventy eight inches of run on it, and uh, he was he was locating his fastball well. He's throwing that splitter, that heavy hard splitter that he loves to throw. It was all kind of working for him. Uh, he ended up getting a little touched up towards the end of that start. Uh, he let he let three runs score. He had three earned runs, including a home run, uh, or excuse me, two home runs. They uh, they hit him in they not back to back but in the same inning, um, and he leaves the game three to three. Now uh, he gets the win because the Red Sox scored their their winning runs in the next inning before uh, a new pitcher was able to come in. But um, Tanner Houck, I think the way he looked now right now his ERA is sitting at a five forty, okay, and I get that and and honestly it's not looking. It's not looking too great. He does have a 1.2 whip, which is walks and hits per inning pitched, uh, which is not very good. Uh, and he also has a <laughs> he has an 82 ERA plus, which is not good. 100 league average, and you want higher than 100. You look better. The better you are, the, the higher your ERA plus is. And uh, his fielding independent pitching, which is just three, it, it takes all the three true outcomes: walk, strikeout, and home run. Uh, he's got a 702, which again, not very good, especially not a guy who has a career 3.08 FIP, which is also, it's kind of respectable. Uh, we definitely need a little more production on the number side from Tanner Hawk, but Hey, I'm never going to complain about a starter who goes out there and gives you five innings and gives up three runs. If your starter goes out there and gives you five innings and gives up three runs every single night, you have a very good chance to win that baseball game. So, uh, props to Tanner Hawk. He looked good the first few innings. Got a little touched up towards the end in, the, in that fifth inning. But honestly, like I said, it, 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 it's it's encouraging to see. And and I hope we do see more of that kind of outing. Hopefully not in a way that makes me think that he's going to regress down to the mean. Uh, if you're going to post a 7-fip uh, for the entire season, you're going to have a bad time trying to keep that up or keep your ERA low while doing that. So hopefully he figures it out. But uh, I'm optimistic for Tanner Houck. I think that if he continues trending in the right direction, with as bad as he was in spring training, if he comes out and has a game like that, it makes me think he's got a lot better in his back pocket ready to go. So props to Tanner Houck. Appreciate everything he did this weekend. Uh, during that third game, it was it was it was pretty. It wasn't really close at any particular time. Uh, at least not in my head. I'm trying to think back. I don't really remember what the score looked like uh, throughout the game, but the Red Sox were able to win 9-5. to It was just nice to see the offense win. 
the bullpen do their job. Caleb Bort came out, had a scoreless uh, ninth inning. It see there was a runner on. It, it it felt a little more high stress than it needed to, but Caleb Bort comes out and uh, and takes from it was it was it was nice too to not have to use Kenley Jansen on back to back days just to start the season. Um, I love Kenley and I can't wait to see what he contributes to this team. But I think taking it easy with him is a smart move. Of course, Alex Cora knows way more about the game of baseball than I ever will think about possibly knowing. He'll he'll know way more about the game of baseball than I've ever forgotten. And uh, yeah, no, he he's he's done a great he's he's obviously done a great job so far throughout his entire Red Sox managing career, both stints, uh, and again showed you know some discretion there. Bringing in Caleb Orr, a guy who really could use a boost confidence wise, giving up two runs in game one, coming in game three, and uh, kind of not slamming the door. But shutting it firmly and uh, not really making it so that we had to stress about it or bring in Kenley Jansen on his second straight day. So props to Caleb Bort. His velocity is a little down, but I hope that means that he's trying to locate a little better. 31-year-old uh, career reliever, he just he probably could use the confidence of shutting down the Orioles lineup and getting us uh, to the next day. Just as a, as, a, as a player and a person, he definitely could have used the confidence. So I'm really glad that he got that. This Red Sox team is, uh, they're really, they're interesting. I, I, I'm a Red Sox fan at heart, of course. So, like, obviously, I'm very optimistic. And I would love for the Red Sox to do super well this season, to make a playoff run and everything like that. But there are a couple things that worry me. If the Red Sox do too well this season, and, and you know what? Pull this clip up in six months, and maybe I sound like an absolute crazy person, but I am worried about the Red Sox doing too well this season. And I know that sounds weird, but let me explain myself. So the Red Sox, in case you guys don't know right now, are below the luxury tax, which is very, very important, which means they reset the luxury tax penalty that they have to pay this season. Why is that important? Well, in case you have been living under a rock, Shohei Otani is the best player in baseball, if not baseball, history. He is due to become a free agent at the end of this season. What are the two things that the Red Sox could probably, could one that they could definitely use more of, and the other that they could probably always use more of uh, currently as the team stands? Well, the first one I'll tell you right now, since there's nobody here to guess for me, the first one is starting pitching. Uh, we can figure out the bullpen all we want if we don't have starters to get us to that bullpen or to chew up innings so that that bullpen doesn't burn out then it really doesn't matter so we need starting pitching in case anybody found out or didn't know Shohei Otani has gotten Cy Young votes he's an incredible pitcher he's very good he throws 102 miles an hour he would be a great addition he would be the ace of a Red Sox pitching staff that included him so when you add that into the fact that he's uh, an out-of-this-world hitter who, even if he was just a career DH, would have a career in the big leagues, he definitely fits this team in a way that is very, very compelling. Uh, of course, every single baseball fan on the planet right now is telling them the same thing. I'm really not getting my hopes up for Shohei Otani. The Red Sox just, just dished out their first huge, huge massive contract and Shohei Otani looks like he's sitting somewhere in the close to $500,000 contract range and I just don't see the Red Sox ponying up for that much cash 
Um, especially as John Henry has lately just shown a propensity to not want to pay Red Sox players. You can give Rafael Devers a contract all you want until you like he he did not lock down Xander Bogarts. He didn't lock down Mookie Betts, and now I have to watch those guys wear uniforms in California. So call me bitter, call me what you want, but the Red Sox have not historically shown themselves to be a team that wants to pay people. Now, granted, maybe the narrative is a little skewed on that because apparently Aaron Judge turned down more money from the Red Sox to go play and be the captain for the the Boston Red Sox, but or to be the captain for the, the New York Yankees. If that contract happens, though, I just don't know if the Red Sox extend, extend Rafael Devers. Now, I'm excited they did. I love Rafael Devers. I, I want him on the Red Sox for the rest of his life. I, I, I genuinely believe that he's our, our city's and our team's next David Ortiz, the second coming of David Ortiz, whatever you want to call it. I think he's going to be a huge part of this team and this city moving forward. And I think it was a huge thing that they actually re-signed him and retained him. I just don't see the Red Sox doing that again anytime soon. Uh, especially when their last few huge contracts they've dished out just haven't worked out between guys like Chris Sale, guy like Trevor Story. It just doesn't feel like something that they should be doing right now. Uh, that being said, don't lose hope. Hopefully the Red Sox do bring in uh, Shohei Otani. But I would what, what I was saying earlier about being nervous for them uh, being too good, I worry that if the Red Sox are in a position where they could make a playoff push, I don't think they would do this if they were getting saddled with the fifth or sixth wildcard spot. Nobody wants to invest money into playing a wildcard game, which is as coin flippy as you get. <clears throat> but I do think that if the Red Sox are in a position to play for that fourth wildcard spot or even for the division, I worry that they will get greedy the fan base will get greedy, put pressure on the front office, and the front office will put themselves over the luxury tax now to try to make a push for this season. I I would so much rather, rather have a middle-of-the-road bridge year now and then contend for years to come by signing somebody like Shohei Otani or at least a true legitimate front-end starter. I would so much rather see that then have them push themselves over the luxury tax for a pipe dream this year. Whether it works or it doesn't, it, you know, it remains to be seen. But I would hope, I really do hope, that the front office takes the future of this team into account before they make any decisions like that. This team looks good moving forward. There are some really key guys in this in this system that are going to be huge for this team moving forward. Guys like Rafael Devers is locked up. Tristan Casas, I really believe that he's the he's the next big guy to make a name for himself on this Red Sox team. He's up here playing first base. Marcelo Myers in the pipeline. We got Brian Bale and Brian Mata looking to make and make a huge splash into our starting rotation, if not by the end of this year, then even next year. So I would just worry about the Red Sox spending a lot of money at the trade deadliner or otherwise and getting above the luxury tax and putting them in a position where they won't be able to pay all those guys in the following years. Whether they sign Shohei or not, they have people that they need to pay to keep them around. And I, I hope that they, they make that smart decision to, to just stay above water this season and and to, to invest in contending down the road. Because right now, the recipe they've got going 
if you just let it bake for a little longer, it's going to last us a long time. It's going to be several years of a championship window that they can truly, truly chase a World Series title every single year. We're going to start looking like the dang Astros and, and in a way that we contend every single year for a division title, especially when you're in a division with a team like Toronto who has so many young, very, very talented individuals and the and the Yankees who just signed Aaron Judge for like 60 years. So I think that longevity is definitely something that should be a priority moving forward. And if it's not, trade at the deadline, try to make a playoff run now because I really think that looking into signing somebody like Shohei Otani and trying to be a part of that bidding war is very important. If it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen, but you, you need to, we need another starting pitcher. I As excited as I am about Brian Bayo. As excited as I am about Brian Mata, uh, and as excited I guess I am about Garrett Whitlock and and uh, James Paxton getting more starts here moving forward, I really just hope that the Red Sox do the right thing and sign a true number one or number two starter in one of these off seasons here coming up. I don't know that developing one is something that's truly on the table because the Red Sox historically have not developed very good pitching. So I think that you have to go out and you have to get one. The Yankees did it this past offseason with, with Carlos Rodon. Granted, yep, starting the season on the injured list. But Carlos Rodon, they got their guy. Garrett Cole, they got their guy. Take a page out of the Yankees book, man. Go get yourself a true frontline starting pitcher just like you did when you went and got Chris Sale. And Chris Sale won you a World Series. So... That's, uh, that's kind of all the time I've got, and it's kind of all I've got to say. So um, just go ahead and uh, and let me know what you guys think about this. Leave uh, leave comments, leave ratings, leave wherever, wherever you listen to your podcast. Let me know how you felt about this. My name is Parker. You can follow me on Twitter, at ParkerKirk underscore. You can follow me on Instagram, at ParkerKirk underscore. Uh, I'm going to get back into making YouTube videos here soon. And I'm also going to start making more and more baseball content in the form of like reels, TikToks, YouTube shorts, all that stuff. But I'll be sure to ping it on my socials when I do. So thanks for watching, guys. Thanks for listening. I appreciate you joining me. I hope that you drive safe. And I hope that uh, whatever you're doing right now, it's, uh, it's pretty productive, whether you're at the gym or laundry or whatever you are. Thanks for listening, guys. Appreciate you. Go Sox. Drive safe.